Thanks, you guys. Someone missing their car keys? Anyone? Car keys? Going once? Going twice? Okay. There's a Harley Davidson key on there, so. Well, good morning. How's it going? Good to see you. Why don't you turn with me in the Bible to Matthew 11, if you would, please. We're going to camp out there for quite a while today, and among other places. <clears throat> you know, uh, as I've been visiting with people, and just, and just as life has been going on the last few months, um, I have been aware of and noticed a lot of burdens. And a lot of those burdens <clears throat> are appropriate burdens. Uh, burdens that we share with one another and carry with one another as, as God has instructed us to do. Uh, but some of those burdens have, have gone farther than that. Some of those burdens have weighed us down to the point of sin and stress. And, uh, and we've taken on more than we should have taken on. Uh, there are lots of people with burdens. Uh, there's burdens over loved ones and their health. Loved ones in the hospital. Uh, there's burdens over lost jobs. There's burdens over too much work. There's burdens in parenting and the stress that that induces, right? Can I get an amen there? There's burdens in friendships. There's burdens with other responsibilities that we carry. There are burdens in our world. I mean, turn on the news, and if you don't feel burdened after you watch that, you're not watching it. Whether it's in the world or in our nation or in our own community, there are burdens everywhere. They are global. And they can be burdens that are too heavy to carry. So today, what I want to look at is, is a passage in Matthew where Jesus instructs us that he will carry the burdens that we have. And, and I want us to look at the, the way that he, he invites us. He invites us to rest and he invites us to a different burden than possibly the one you've been carrying. The burden that Jesus calls us to is easy and light, but it is the burden to wrestle for rest. The burden to wrestle for rest. And I know that almost sounds like a contradictory statement, right? Wait a minute, you want me to wrestle? I, I, I feel like I've been wrestling, Brandon. I feel like that's all I do day in and day out. But sometimes we wrestle for the wrong thing. We wrestle for control, we wrestle for the win, we wrestle for ego, we wrestle for pride, we wrestle, wrestle for status and looks or pleasure, and we don't wrestle for the rest that Jesus is asking and, and wanting to give us, and that he's inviting us to come and enjoy. So we're going to look at, at Matthew chapter 11 today and see what that wrestling looks like and see what that rest looks like, all right? Let's pray together and we will get started. Father, we, we know that you are, as, as they sang, a good, good father. We're so grateful to be your children, to be called children of God. And Father, we know that today as we look at this passage, there are many of us here who, who struggle with burdens. And, and God, many of us struggle and wrestle for the wrong thing and the wrong outcome with those burdens. And we end up carrying a load that is, is far too heavy for us to carry, that was never intended for us to carry. God, help us today to open our hearts to you that you would lighten our load, that you would instruct us, that we would be wise with what we wrestle for. And Father, that we would find rest. Father, as we search your scriptures, open our hearts and our minds, challenge us and change us. We commit this time to you. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. 
All right, so Jesus is inviting us. There's a plea on his behalf in this passage for us to come and find rest there. So, so the question is, how do we rest? How do we rest? Number one, it's, it's that we know God is sovereign over salvation. That's the first thing we can do to rest. Know that God is sovereign over salvation. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and read Matthew 11, starting in verse 25. And I'm going to read all the way through 30. This is our entire passage. But we'll, we'll focus kind of specifically on other, pa- other passages in there, okay? So starting in verse 25, it says, At that time, <clears throat> Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, because this was your good pleasure. All things have been entrusted to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son desires to reveal him. Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. All of you take up my yoke and learn from me, because I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for yourselves, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Amen? So how do we rest? Well, we know that God is sovereign over our salvation. Look at the first, uh, first two verses, 25 and 26. God is sovereign over salvation. It says, at that time, I, uh, he says, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth. All right, so he's giving credit to God, and he's saying, listen, what I'm going to say next, the plea that I'm going to make to come and rest has to start with our knowledge that he is the God of heaven and earth, that he is sovereign, that there is no one else that we'll find rest in, that he alone is sovereign and can grant that rest. He says, I praise you for that. And he says, I praise you. Why? Because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to infants. Yes, Father, because this was your good pleasure. So this is kind of a conundrum sometimes. And you can study more, and I'm sure we'll study more as a church as we continue on of the doctrine of election or predestination or God's choosing us. But God, it seems that he takes pleasure in revealing this plea and this rest to who? Infants. And it's not just, we're not talking about babies, right? We're talking about you and I who are helpless. He's, He's pleased to reveal the gospel of grace to the helpless and equally pleased in revealing the gospel of grace that the proud would not see it, hear it, or understand it, and they would reject it in their shame. And in rejecting it, they would stand condemned on their own. He's equally pleased with that. See, God understands salvation, and salvation is only for the meek. Well, what does that mean? It's those of us who have emptied ourselves and said, you know what, I, I can't carry this burden anymore. I'm not good enough. I can't measure up. There's, there's nothing that I can do that would give me credit when I stand before God on judgment day. There's not a list of things or a resume that would be, or credentials that would say, look, look God, you must allow me in your presence. No. See, God was pleased to bring us the gospel of grace in Jesus Christ so our credentials couldn't stand up against it. Because it's only in the Father of heaven and earth and his grace and his glory that we can see the gospel when we empty ourselves of ourselves. He says in the first part of that verse, at that time. See, Jesus had just got done rebuking the sinful 
and the proud in the, in the previous verses. You can look at that later. He says, though the nation, uh, or, or it, what happened, though the nation had turned its back on the Messiah, right, Jesus continued to call to himself those who were weary of carrying the spiritual heavy burden of sin and those who sought rest in God. See, God is pleased to call those who are ready for rest, who are weary and burdened. God wants to meet us in that moment of weakness. You see, it's in that moment of weakness that we can receive the grace of Jesus Christ. In moments of pride or, or, or shame that builds us up and makes us proud, too proud to turn to Jesus, the grace won't penetrate that. We have to be empty. And as, as the Beatitudes said in chapter 5 of Matthew, right, we have to have that meekness. The meek will inherit the earth. Think, think about that meekness, that emptiness we must have before Jesus, before his grace can enter in. In the previous section of Scripture, we see that the Lord was presenting, that Jesus was presenting the God of judgment and wrath, and he culminates and concludes in this section with Christ's plea for us to come and find rest in the God of love and mercy. And last week we talked about that a little bit too. There's that you have to have both. In order to have a loving God and in order to know the kindness of God, we have to understand the wrath of God against sin and pride and legalism and tradition. We have to understand that God in Christ is calling us to empty ourselves and to, to be meek. God is eager to reveal himself to those who are seeking him. I think you, can, you and I can look back at our own lives and maybe you're there now. Maybe you're still in that prideful state where I, I don't have anything to do with Jesus. I don't want anything to do with God. I'm, I've got it all together. This burden I'm carrying, I, yeah, I came in tired. I came in stressed. I, I put myself together to, to cover that up, but I am, I am worn out. And when you, when you came in here today, you're like, I, I'll put on the face. I'll, I'll show it off. It's all good. I'll open my Bible even. But in your heart, you're like, when you walk out those doors, I'm carrying it. I got this, Jesus. Don't worry about it. I got this. I don't want to cry. So I got this. You know, I have, my daughter's like that, right? And I have, I have friends that are like that. Or, or, and we can be like that emotionally. Like, no, I got this. I'm not, I don't want to get real here. I don't want to open myself up to, to vulnerability here. I want to, let me just have this. Let me take care of it. Let me figure it out. Let me reprioritize my priorities list and I'll get it worked out. God's like, no, that's not what works. That's not how we really find rest. That's how we load more stress on, and that weight as we walk out of here could still remain. But see, Jesus is calling us to empty ourselves and say, listen, you and I cannot do it. And he's offering his grace through his son Jesus to lighten that load. Jesus is offering praise to the Father because salvation is from God and not from our own wisdom. It's not from our own purposes, our own plans, or our own power. It is from God. Aren't you glad? Isn't that awesome that, that salvation is not from us? I would mess it up every day. I do mess it up every day. But God, God is the God who brings salvation. And it's the Father's pleasure to reveal his grace to us. He is sovereign over salvation, and it's only for the meek. And listen, in that, there is hope. It's okay to wave the white flag. It's okay to surrender. It's okay to say, I 
can't do it anymore, Jesus. I need you. And ultimately, our hope and security is not up to us. It's up to the sovereign, saving God. When it's penetrating grace through the finished work of Jesus on the cross. So here's the burden. The burden is this. I believe I control my life and my fate, and it's up to me. That's the burden. That's the burden that we carry. I believe that I control my life and, the, and fate, and it's up to me. Here is the rest. The rest is this, that we empty ourselves and let God be the God of salvation. That we would rely on him. Amen? Amen. Wrestle against pride for rest. Wrestle against your pride for rest. What else does Jesus tell us? Number two, that God helps us realize how helpless we are. God helps us realize how helpless we are. And it's not, it's not hard to do, is it? God, compared to God, we're pretty helpless. And what God does is says, listen, you are weary. It's okay, you can say it, I'm weary. You are burdened, it's okay, you can say it, I'm burdened. You're helpless. I'm helpless without Jesus Christ. Well, let's go back to the second part of, of 25 there. It says, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to infants. It says, yes, Father, because this was your good pleasure. All things have been entrusted to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son desires to reveal him. There's this, this talk of the wise and learned versus infants and babies. Remember, God's sovereign salvation works in favor of the meek and against the proud. Now, here's the deal. I want us to set up again the struggle and the burden Right? We, we need to understand we're helpless. So here's the burden. Money calls us to rest in what we can have or what we can buy. Sex and food and drink calls us to rest in how we feel and the pleasure they bring. Power and prestige call us to rest in the pride and, and status that they give. Relationships, hobbies, Knowledge and, and other extracurricular activities or things call us to rest in that distraction and in what we might get from them. And although these things seem to offer rest, it's an illusion of the real rest that we need. See, we wrestle and we put a burden on ourselves to find hope and rest in those. And if we do, it is, and we use it as a source of rest and hope, it will ultimately lead to enslaving us to sin and destroy our lives. Now, those things that I mentioned aren't necessarily bad on their own. If taken in the context that they aren't a burden for us to find hope in. If there's something we enjoy because God has given us uh, those things as a gift, then we enjoy them as a gift from God. But our hope rests in Jesus, not in those things. See, Jesus is telling us, that he has been given the authority over sin, over our burdens, and over our rests. Right? He said that in, that in that passage. Only Jesus gives deep and lasting rest and joy. And he is pleased when the helpless, the infants, the babes, those who are too weak to do it on their own or carry the burden anymore, he is pleased when we come to him for help because it honors his grace that he's given us and it brings glory to the Father. 
I want to illustrate this, this imagery of being helpless and how, and how we decide to say, I, I give up, I surrender, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you carry the burden of God instead of me. And I'm going to do it two ways. One is with horses, and I just, I, I don't know why I thought of this, I, I was asking God for this analogy, right? We own horses, and at, at some time before kids, I think, we, uh, we looked at some training, uh, like instructional DVDs and, and things from a guy named Pirelli, and if you're in horse world, you'll probably know that name, and it's kind of natural, it's called natural horsemanship. You kind of, it, he kind of makes, makes the owner, makes the trainer become like the lead mayor of the pack, right? You're, or the herd, or what they call, I don't know what they're called, the pack, a bunch of horses. You're the lead, you're, you're in charge, right? You're in charge. And, and you start to train those horses the way that a mayor would train the foal. So you, you don't just break the horse and break its will, you help it understand that without you, it's helpless. And, and one of the illustrations I, I just came, it came to mind is this: it, we, have a, we have a gelding who, when we started training him about two, three years old, he, he would just run from us. He would just run. We'd walk into the corral. Of course, we'd walk in there with a rope and a halter and walk towards him. And what would he do? He'd bolt. And he has got a gallop. And he would just run circles, circles, and circles around us. And we were pushing. We had this, this rope, right? And we had this halter. And we were pushing how were we pushing? Well, we were walking towards him. So every time we'd walk towards him, he would just bolt and run. And we'd try to cut him off. He'd run faster. And he'd switch directions. And he'd run and run and run. And he didn't know what the heck he was doing. He had no idea. He was helpless. All he knew to do was run. So we started watching some videos. Like, what are, how are we going to do this differently? And there's, there's this, uh, they have a Pirelli stick, they call it. it it's, like, it's supposed to be like the tail of the mom's tail, right, to, to kind of calm it. And you can kind of walk up to the horse and just kind of, Flick it over its back like a mom would do, and it reminds it of the time that it was a foal and the, the mom took care of it. But what, what this guy said is that you want the, the horse to realize it's helpless. So you've got to let up the pressure. So you walk out there, whether you have your, your stick or no stick or rope or no, no rope, you walk out there and you, you go. You go towards it and push. And it starts running. No clue what it's doing. It just, I'm scared. I don't know what's going on. It wants to know, though. It wants to know. And here's, here's how he said to, to figure, let, it, let it find out, let it learn. You'd walk out there, and you'd, you'd be pushing, and that horse would be running around. You'd push and push and push, and that horse would be running and running and running. And then you'd stop, and you'd turn your back on that horse, just like this. That horse would what is going on? It would stop. The horse would stop at the, at the fence. And you just put your back to it. <laughs> and maybe even it said, start walking away. And you know what that horse would do? It would stop and it would follow and walk right up to you. You put your back like that and it walk right up to you and nose on its shoulder. Hey, I'm here. I get it. I'm ready to learn. What do you want to tell me? What do you, see, the horse realized it was helpless. It, it didn't have a clue what I wanted it to do. Right? And I'm not a horse whisperer. I just turned my back on it. And I didn't know how to, what to tell it afterwards. But it understood it was helpless. See, God is wanting us to understand that we're helpless without him. We spend our lives searching for these, these things, running around like a crazy horse, not knowing what the heck we're doing. And God's like, would you just, just stop and come to me? Walk, I'm inviting you to come. And God does. And, it, and God doesn't turn his back on you. He just, he just invites. He says, come on. You and I don't need a back turned on us. We just need open arms. And he invites us. It's like this with the children too, my children. My daughter is, well, my son is too. I mean, they're in the phase right now. Maybe they don't grow out of it ever. I don't know. Maybe I haven't grown out of it. Let me do it. I'll do it. I want to do it by myself. Let me do that, Daddy. No, I can do it. 
Like I'm trying to help her up like to sit on the counter so we can brush her teeth. No, let me climb up the face of the cabinets, Daddy. What? Okay, okay. Like, I want to do it. I mean, so, and, and, you know, any task that they start doing, I, I put the pressure on. Say, I, I can help. I can help. I, I want you to learn from me. No, no, I, I want to do it. Okay, so, okay. Go ahead. And what happens? Dad, can you help me? Yeah. You bet I can help you. I wanted you to realize how helpless you were without me. And see, Jesus is, is way better than a father like I am. He, he's a father that says, I, I've got the perfect plan for you. I've got the perfect burden for you to carry. You just have to wrestle for that rest. Understanding that I am helpless and that you are helpless. And, and without Jesus, we're going to be running around the edge of the corral and climbing up faces of cabinets not knowing why. Let's rest in Jesus. Number uh, in Romans 5, 6 is this. While we were still helpless at the appointed time, Christ died for us, the ungodly. We are helpless. Number three. What else is he telling us? Well, that we can express faith through our meekness and in repentance. Repentance. This repentance word is a churchy word. People try to like, what, what, I don't understand this word, repentance. What is this word, repentance? Well, it means literally... In the Greek, it, it's for an army term that you would be facing in one direction as an army and you'd be called to repent and you would do an about face and turn around, right? And you'd be facing the other direction. It's a 180 degree turn. What it is for our terms, it's a heart change. It's a change of heart. That I, I turn from me, I turn from what I thought was right, I turn from the burden and the load that I was carrying and I turn and face Jesus and say, have your way, Lord, have your way. I trust you, Lord. He says in verse 28, as we continue on here, he says, Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Come to me who? Those who are weary and heavy burdened. It, it should be kind of in a different order, right? We become weary and heavy burdened, and then we change our heart, we change the way we think, and say, I'm helpless, Lord. And he says, come to me. Come to me. And we come to him for our strength. Uh, I'm going to read a passage. Actually, you can turn there with me to John chapter 6, if you would. Matthew and Matthew now, Mark, Luke, and John. John chapter 6. Starting in verse 26. says, Jesus answered, I assure you, you are looking for me, but not because you saw the signs, but because you ate the loaves and were filled. So these people came to Jesus, oh, Jesus, you're here. You're, oh, you're Jesus. And they knew Jesus, but Jesus was the guy who did these miraculous things and fed them, and they were like, I got my fill. I want some more of what he's given me. But they didn't come to him because the signs pointed to him as the Messiah, as the King of kings and Lord of lords. They came to him because... They wanted some grub. He says in verse 27, Don't work for the food that perishes, but for the food that lasts for eternal life, which the Son of Man uh, will give you, because God the Father has set his seal of approval on him. So he's saying, don't, don't look for this food. Don't work for this food. 
that's going to perish. What he's saying is you and I have this tendency to set up for ourselves this tradition, this legalism, this list of rules to abide by, and to think that we're secure and safe in. I did it, Jesus. I did it. Look at me. How, aren't you proud of me? He says, I'm proud of you if you come to me. He says, he says what can we do, or they ask, what can we do to perform the works of God? They're asking, what, what do we do? Jesus, give us another list. Give us another list. We want to we follow you and have more bread. And Jesus replied this. He says, the work, this is the work of God, that you believe in the one he sent. That you believe in the one he sent. So this idea of this, this repentance is saying, stop fighting to earn. Stop fighting to, to get fed. Instead, what you should be fighting for, the burden that you and I should have, is the burden to find rest in Jesus and believe in Jesus, the one whom God sent for us. In verse, jumping down to verse 35, it says this, I am the bread of life, Jesus told them. I am the bread of life. Stop looking for a sign, a wonder, a miracle. I am the one. I am the bread of life. No one who comes to me will ever be hungry, and no one who believes in me will ever be thirsty again. But as I told you, you've seen me, and yet you do not believe. How often do we do that? How, how often do we have friends that do that? Well, we've seen Jesus. Yeah, well, I'm waiting for that list still, Jesus. And we don't believe. See, Jesus' invitation is to come to me, you who are weary and heavy laden, and to believe that I'm the one who can give you rest. Listen, it's exhausting and weary to live in a way that puts you in charge and makes your destiny your own. We can't handle that. We can't handle that pressure. There's a constant stress in that way of living. We must empty ourselves. We must humble ourselves of that burden and turn to Jesus to find rest. And listen, our hearts do not naturally rest in what God offers us in Jesus. It's not natural to go there. So we must wrestle. Again, here's that term, wrestling. This is the burden we should be carrying. We should wrestle against the temptation to rest in anything but him. Rest in him and wrestle against anything that would tell you otherwise. You know, we had a baptism this morning. I want you to think of this tension that is in our hearts. I, I got saved. I trusted Jesus and believed and came to him and I found rest when I was eight years old. It wasn't until I was like 17 when I got baptized. Now that, that happens. That's kind of a, a natural progression of things. But Jesus says, I, I want you to, to sta stand up for me. When you make a decision, when you invite me to be your Lord and submit to me as the Lord of your life, then submit to me and, and show that and profess that publicly first by being baptized. Because it's a wonderful symbol of what, what God has done and that we've died to ourselves and that risen to newness of life with Jesus. It's that symbol that we all must, must choose. For me, for many years, not following Jesus in obedience was a huge burden for me. And for many of you, not following Jesus in, in obedience is a huge burden to you. Do you know what happens once we obey? We find rest. There is a weight that has lifted off our shoulders that Jesus never intended to stay there. He intended us to find rest in him. And there's an appropriate burden in the Christian life. It's not the burden of sin and disobedience. Disobedience destroys our rest. 
Sin destroys our rest. The appropriate burden is now that we wrestle against what destroys our rest in him. For, for, there's many of us here. We're all in different places in our life and different places in our journey, our faith journey, our walk, and different places in our maturity. But you and I must wrestle against what destroys our rest in him. There's a choice you need to make. You know what that is. It may not be baptism. This is not a baptism guilt trip call. This is a call to freedom and rest because you are willing and wanting to obey. And that's what Jesus is calling us to. And finally, we get to number four. We find rest when we submit ourselves to freedom in Christ. To freedom in Christ. Look at verses 29 and 30. All of you, take up my yoke and learn from me, because I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for yourselves. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Why does he add that in there? Because it's freeing to know what God is asking us to do is easy and light compared to the burden that we carried before Jesus. We need to submit ourselves to the freedom we have in Christ. Uh, I want to I talk about that word yoke, right? Put, a yoke was a, a tool used on ox, right, that they'd place on the neck of an ox to plow a field. They'd attach their attachment to it, and as the ox would go forward, the yoke would be on top of it. It was like a, a, a tool that, that was useful in that. But it was also used during this time in, in, te- in, in talking about teachers, Right, if you're, if you're a teacher here, what, what Jesus is calling us to is not to be an ox that just goes and plows a field for him and we're just slave labor. It's not this Pharaoh relationship he had with God's people. What he's asking, he's saying is this. He's saying, I want you to put your neck under the yoke of me as your teacher. And that's what they did. They would do that in those times. That, that Come, put your neck under my yoke as a teacher. was a submissive place that said, I want to be your pupil. I want to be your student. I want to to put myself in submission to you that I would learn everything I can from you and then I would go and do as my teacher instructed. So this yoke is not this oppressive thing. It was a, a glad, submissive thing that people did. They became students. In Ephesians 2.10 it says that we are his creation. We were created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared ahead of time that we should walk in them. So there's these good works that God has planned, and he wants to bring us under the yoke of his teaching that we would understand and know what those things are, and then we would walk freely in his ways and freely in obedience following what he has instructed us to do. And listen, it is for the glory of God. It's not for us anymore. It's for him. Now, we're free, and that's, that's the benefit. We have this freedom in Christ. But God is calling us to be image bearers of him that point to him. Baptism did not just point to Bonnie, it pointed to Jesus, amen? Obedience doesn't point to us, it points to Jesus. In 2 Corinthians 3, it says this, For the ministry of condemnation had glory, for if it did, the ministry of righteousness overflows with even more glory. This is going back to that idea of God's salvation. That on the proud, it still exists right there. God's grace still exists and his glory still exists in the face of the proud, even though they reject it. But God's glory is revealed as grace is, is penetrating the heart of the meek. 
And as Jesus pulls them out of the mire of their sin, God's glory overflows more and more as, as they live in righteousness. And it goes on in chapter 4. It says, therefore, since we have, we have this ministry because we were shown mercy. When the meek repented and turned to Jesus, we were shown mercy. We have a ministry now, and we do not give up because we have this grace, because we have this mercy. We do not give up. We wrestle now. We wrestle for that rest in Christ. We wrestle to be image bearers of Christ. We wrestle to make sure his truth is known. It says, uh, instead, we have renounced shameful, secret things, not walking in deceit or distorting God's message, but commending ourselves to every person's conscience in God's sight by an open display of the truth. I'm done with those old ways. I'm done with the oppression that was placed on me from sin. God has freed me from that. And I don't have to walk in shameful, deceitful ways. Now I can walk openly in obedience, displaying the truth of his life. And that is freeing. And then 1 John 5, 1 through 5 says this. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Messiah has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father also loves the one born of him. This is how we know that we love God's children when we, loved, when we love God and obey his commands. This is how we know we love, is when we love God and obey his commands. For this is what the love of God is, to keep his commands, to keep his instructions, to follow him and display him. It says, now, now his commands are not a burden, because whatever has been born of God conquers the world. This is the victory that has conquered the world, our faith. And who is the one who conquers the world but the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? There's a song on the radio, and I love it. We might sing it one day for special music, but, but it sings that verse, greater is the one living inside of me than he who is living in the world. When you and I submit to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, when we turn over those heavy-laden burdens and say, God, I don't want to walk that way anymore, he changes our heart. And now we put our, our necks under the yoke of his teaching and instruction, and we submit ourselves to him, and we find freedom as we, as we stand for the truth of who God is with the strength of his mercy, revealing his glory and the glory of the Son of God to the world. So this, listen, the burden that we should rest in is this. And this is the question to ask. Based on God's freedom, right? What does loving God and loving others require of me? That's the question. That's the burden. In this instance, what does loving God and loving people look like? And that's what we should choose. When we exclude Jesus, we attempt to carry our own burden and the weight becomes unbearable. So we throw off our old burdens. And we persevere forward all the while pointing to Jesus, who is our solid rock on which we stand. The burden that Christ gives us, he said it's easy and it's light. It's that way because he supports us as we carry it. Because we have been given mercy and grace through Jesus Christ, we can have the strength to openly display the truth of Christ in and through our lives and to find the rest that we were created to enjoy. So today, let's choose to wrestle for that rest. Amen.
Let's stand and pray together. Father, I know that there are so many burdens present here today. God, but you do too. And God, some of those burdens are appropriate burdens that we have placed on our lives and our hearts as we grieve, as we, as we take responsibility as stewards. God, as we're parents, as we're spouses, there are burdens there. But God, the burden that you have called us to is light and it is easy. God, free us from the burdens that we have placed on ourselves. Free us from the burdens that, that have weighed us down. God, we, we sometimes place those on ourselves, and, and God, I, I ask that you give us rest. That we would place those burdens on you. That you would carry that load. Because you love us and you care for us. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as we close today, we close in worship to respond to the heart of God and what he's doing in our lives. I'll be here for prayer. If you'd like to come forward for prayer, I'd be happy to do that. Maybe you want to pray with someone next to you or, or pray where you're at. Be silent, sit, stand, worship, whatever it might be that you're doing right now. Respond to the heart of God by loving him right now. Let's sing. Come just as you Stay.